0: Good morning and welcome to our first service on Sunday morning. We have two services, the first of which is devoted to the Bible prophecy update. And the second service is actually our verse by verse study through the Bible. We're currently in the book of Titus. Actually, Lord willing, today we're going to complete the book of Titus. Our text is going to be chapter three, verses 12 through 15, and it will be live streamed at 1115 AM Hawaii time. It's about the godly people that the Lord brings into our lives as an encouragement for us and a help to us. Really looking forward to that study in God's Word. Also, for those that are on YouTube and or Facebook, um, we would really encourage you to now go directly to JDFarag.org for the update in particular because it will only be shown and live streamed in its uncensored entirety on the website. And we're actually going to talk a little bit about why that is today. So with that, uh, let's get started. You ready? (laughs) You sure? For today's update I, I have some good news and I have some bad news. You just love it when somebody comes up to you and says that. I've got some good news and I have some bad news. And you know that they're they're going to say it just like that, that way. And then you start thinking to yourself, especially when they ask you a follow up question of which one do you want to hear first? So here's me. And if you're a lot like me, then you feel my pain right about now, because when someone says that to me, I start thinking, oh, this is really bad. And I don't know what the good news is, but certainly it's not going to outweigh the bad news is, otherwise you wouldn't have said it to me that way. Do you think like that? Just humor me, say that you do. In other words, (laughs) the bad news is so bad that I've got to package it with good news that won't even come close to making up for the bad news. So now if I tell you I want to hear the good news first, uh, I'm really not paying that much attention to it because I know what's coming after, the bad news, which I don't really want to hear in the first place. Now if they, I'm, I know I'm taking this a little bit too far. Just stay with me. <laughs> but if I, if I say, well, I'd like to hear the bad news first, I imagine my mind is going to be so devastating that no matter what the good news is, it's going to be irrelevant, inconsequential, because the bad news was so bad. But God, but God takes the bad And works it for good. And (laughs) here's the thing the badder the bad news is, the gooder the good news will be. I know that's not proper English. Please don't email me. So, how's that for an opener? if you'll kindly allow me to, I will begin with the bad news first. And I'm going to start with what I call the big three, if you will. And these are at the top of the list, the global economy, the global threats and the global crisis, all of which point to the coming global leader who the Bible tells us is the Antichrist, not just in the sense of against Christ, but in the place of Christ. Uh, this is just a side note, just kind of came to me. I might, might as well parenthetically insert it here. But have you ever wondered why it is that there's no such thing as an anti-Buddha? or an anti-Mohammed, anti-Christ, the false authenticates the true, the counterfeit validates the genuine. That's why you'll never see a counterfeit $70 bill. What's the point? There's no such thing as a genuine $70 bill. But you will find a counterfeit $100 bill. Why? Because there's a genuine The counterfeit authenticates and validates the genuine. So this Antichrist, as he's referred to in Scripture, among other names, is coming in the place of Christ, fancying himself and presenting himself as the Savior of the world. I would submit that everything that's now happening in the world today is a global transition and transformation to set up global governance and a global economy. Bible prophecy tells us that this global economy will be controlled by none other than the aforementioned antichrist during the seven year tribulation. However, in order for there to be this new global economy and establish this new global economy, there first has to be a controlled demolition. I'm using those words for a reason, a controlled demolition of the current economy. Dare I say that this is exactly what's happening today. The explosives are already in place to take down the current economy vis-a-vis a hyperinflationary trigger. This is Revelation chapter 6. I want to read verses 5 through 8. John is writing, Jesus is revealing to him that which will take place yet future. And he says, when the Lamb, verse 5, opened the third seal. I heard the third living creature say, Come. I looked and there before me was a black horse. Its rider was holding a pair of scales in his hand, a picture of trade and commerce, buying and selling. Then I heard what sounded like a voice among the four living creatures, saying two pounds of wheat for a day's wages and six pounds of barley for a day's wages and do not damage the oil and the wine, the wealth. In other words, it's going to cost that much just to buy groceries for that day. That's what he's describing here. Verse seven, when the lamb opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature say, Come. I looked, and there before me was a pale horse. Its rider was named Death, and Hades was following close behind him. They were given power over a fourth of the earth to kill. How? By sword, famine, and plague and by the wild beasts of the earth. I would suggest that we're already seeing this begin to come to pass, and it's evidenced by this NBC News report on Tuesday, April 13th, with the headline, Get Ready for Higher Grocery Bills for the Rest of the Year. Quoting the report. Shoppers had better start budgeting more for their groceries, according to the latest Consumer Price Index, which shows prices are increasing and they're likely to keep going up. Gas skyrocketed by 9.1% last month. Since February, prices of fruits and vegetables have risen by nearly 2%. And the index for meats, poultry, fish, and eggs has risen by 0.4% according to the government figures. The spike comes on the back of prices that had already risen during last year's stockpiling and supply chain disruptions and never went down. That was by design so you know, deliberate, so you understand. Consumers are noticing their inflating receipts, you think? Outside a supermarket in Long Island, New York, John Courmage said he has seen prices rise in just the past two months. We used to buy this stuff for $30, now it's $60, double. On Friday, April 16th, CBS local out of Philadelphia published an article and video with it titled A Perfect Storm Leading to Record High Lumber Prices, Driving Up Cost of Homes and Improvement Projects. Here's a quote. Record high lumber prices are driving up home prices and the cost of home improvement projects. (laughs) I like the way they say this. If you've tooled around with the idea of adding to or building a new home, then you know the increased cost of materials would make you rather swing a two by four than pay for one. Again, I, I like how they. Before, I could get them for about $2.50. Right now, I'm paying about $8.50 for them, Josh Waterhouse of Pitts Grove Builders said. If they don't already have it in stock, it's probably two, three months before they get it, he said. Are you finding that? It's going to get worse. On Thursday, April 15th, CNBC published a report about how the economy is running on a, listen to this now, very important, stimulus-fueled caffeine high, and asks the question of what will happen when it wears off. The setting for 2021 seems clear, a powerful growth trajectory fueled by an influx of government spending as the U.S. is heading into the fastest economic acceleration in nearly 40 years. But after that, then what? The path beyond this rocket fueled year looks far less clear in the immediate climate, trillions with a T, trillions in direct payments have helped buoy consumer spending and imports. But the trend so far has been for robust credit and debit card spending to cool off once the initial jolt from the stimulus checks ebbs again, by design. It's deliberate. Hey, let's uh, let's pay them more money with this stimulus check than what they were getting paid when they worked. So they're not going to want to go back to work. Oh, I know. Why don't we in this process of this controlled demolition of the current economy, why don't we make them dependent on the government? That's what's happening. I mean, it doesn't take really the uh, sharpest knife in the kitchen drawer to be able to figure this out. Trillions with a T? Try to count, just to put it into perspective, to just 10,000. Just try to count to ten thousand. I mean, if you're anything like me, you're you're not going to make it to ten thousand. I'm probably snoozing by about hundred and eighty-five, depending on the night of sleep I had the night before. Just to put into in ten thousand, as it relates to trillions. Just to put it into, this is this is play money. This is all a setup. We actually did a deep dive into this in our previous updates, one of which is actually by that title, The Great Setup. In it, and we have the links available for you on the website, we look at how the great setup will lead to the great reset which is a global transition to a global economy via the World Economic Forum and the founder, director, Klaus Schwab, and what he dubs as the fourth industrial revolution. We've been talking about that in detail as well. More recently, we looked at what's known as the social credit score financial system in an update I titled coming to a (laughs) head. And this is a system that is already in place. And all they have to do is just click the mouse trackpad if you prefer. i got to figure out my metaphors and analogies here. And it's already in place and they can turn you off or turn you on and allow you, as we're going to talk about here uh, momentarily, allow you to even leave the house or not. Allow you to go out and buy food or not. It's all going to be based on this digital financial system and your social credit score, which is based on your compliance. So if you're defiant, (laughs) you're social credit score, you're in big trouble. Well, let's talk about more bad news. (laughs) This brings us to the second one, which is that of the global threats of war, specifically in the Middle East, more specifically Israel. There are two prophecies in the Bible that foretell in detail the destruction of Damascus Syria and an allied invasion of Israel. The prophecy concerning Damascus uh, Syria is Isaiah 17, 1, and the prophecy concerning the invasion of Israel is found in Ezekiel chapter 38. I would suggest that we are on the cusp of these prophecies coming to pass by virtue of all the breaking news. Just this last week, like this one out of Israel from the Jerusalem Post, this was on Thursday with the headline, Iran media celebrates explosion at sensitive Israel missile factory. Iranian state media highlighted a powerful explosion that they said took place at a sensitive Israeli missile factory during a test. Yeah, right. A similar report appeared in Haaretz and it appears Iranian media took their information from there. The Iranian reports come in the wake of Iran accusing Israel of nuclear terrorism for an incident at the Natanz enrichment facility earlier this month, a day after the New York Times ran an article about Iran being rattled by Israeli strikes. The incident thus occurred at a sensitive time and some pro-Iranian voices online mocked Israel for the explosion. You want to know why they did that? Because it's worse than they want anybody to actually realize. And it goes both ways, by the way. This uh, strike into Israel, we'll talk about that more in a moment. It was worse than they had even imagined. It bypassed all of their anti-missile defenses. Add to this a report on Thursday from Arab News about Israeli missiles striking near the Damascus Airport. Syrian state media said early Tuesday that two Israeli missiles struck near Damascus International Airport without adding any details. Israel has warned of a growing Iranian military presence in neighboring Syria which it sees as a threat to its safety. Its military has been carrying out strikes on Iranian and Iran affiliated targets in Syria with a U.S. official saying it was Israeli forces that carried out a deadly strike against an Iraqi paramilitary base in eastern Syria on June 17, also on Thursday. The Guardian reported the breaking news about Israel confirming that a Syrian missile landed near its Dimona nuclear reactor. Israel has acknowledged that its air defenses failed to intercept a missile fired from Syria overnight that traversed 125 miles of its highly protected airspace and, get this, landed near its secretive Dimona nuclear reactor. This is way too close for comfort. The surface to air missile was believed to have been fired by Syrian air defenses against Israeli jets that were bombing a site near Damascus. But the path it flew initially led to speculation that Israel's most sensitive site may have instead been a target. The incident follows the publication of an analysis in an Iranian newspaper at the weekend that called for the Dimona reactor to be targeted to avenge an apparent Israeli sabotage operation at the Natanz nuclear site in Iran. Boy, all it takes is one time and it's game over. That's when I say, and I know it's, um, I hope it's not cliche, but when I say we are on the cusp of seeing this fulfilled, exactly as God's Word said it would be. I mean, we are just a gnat's eyebrow away. And yes, gnats have eyebrows, and that's how close we are. It's that close. This was all on Thursday. Then just yesterday, the Times of Israel reported the breaking news that 36 rockets were fired at Israel from the Gaza Strip overnight with six projectiles intercepted by the Iron Dome missile defense system. The barrages were the worst assault from the strip in many months. And while there were no Israeli injuries, the rockets did cause damage in a number of communities. In response, the Israeli military struck multiple Hamas targets in the Gaza Strip in the early hours of Saturday morning, including rocket launchers and underground infrastructure, the army said, in response, keyword, to several salvos of rockets fired into Israel overnight. They will not go unanswered. So you got Israel and Iran, and Iran is there in Ezekiel 38, and they come from Syria there in the north, the border of Israel and Syria there on the Golan Heights, and they invade Israel through Syria. I have long held to the belief that the prophecy with all of its specificity in Isaiah 17 concerning Damascus will happen either in concert with simultaneously with Ezekiel 38, or it will be right before as a catalyst for the fulfillment of Ezekiel 38. Um, Before this whole thing hit, we talked a lot about these prophecies. And uh, it's not like when this hit that they just went on hold. (laughs) There's been quite a bit of movement, uh, and especially in the last couple of months. And it's all coming together exactly as God's Word said it would. At this time we're going to look at the third one, which is the current global crisis. But in order to do that, for those of you watching online, we'll redirect you, if you're not already there, to JDFarag.org. Okay, I am convinced beyond any reasonable doubt that COVID-19 and the so-called vaccine is the proverbial final nail in the coffin of humanity. I know there are many Christians who have been injected. I'm choosing my words carefully and prayerfully here. And I do want to get to the good news. I do have good news, but here's the bad news first. And it's so bad that I would like to pray if you would please join with me. Father in heaven, I humbly ask that you would give me humility of heart, clarity of speech, As I quote this and speak this, Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would enable us to receive it, understand it, grasp it. And Lord, I pray that this would be that which You would use in our lives to open our eyes, open our ears, and open our hearts to the reality of what is now happening in the world today. In Jesus' name, Amen. This is from LifeSite News. I actually, as of yesterday anyway, it was still up. The link is there for you online. Uh, I had a number of people send this to me and When I went to, I put everything in my archive. It's growing quite large. And then whenever I start the preparation process for the update, uh, I go through those uh, archived links that people send me and I really pray about them and over them and ask the Lord about them. And when I went to this link, it was no longer there. It had already been taken down. But I did find LifeSite News still had it. Uh, LifeSite News is permanently banned on YouTube. Well, they interviewed this Dr. Michael Yaden, Pfizer's former vice president and chief scientist for allergy and respiratory, who spent 32 years in the industry leading new medicines research and retired with the most senior research position in his field, vice president of Pfizer. Okay, so LifeSite News interviews him. The title of their interview quotes him as saying, your government is lying to you in a way that could lead to your death. In it, he addressed the demonstrably false propaganda from governments in response to COVID-19, including the lie of dangerous variants, the totalitarian potential for vaccine passports and the strong possibility that we are dealing with a conspiracy which could lead to something far beyond the carnage experienced in the wars and massacres of the 20th century. His main points included, there is no possibility current variants of COVID-19 will escape immunity. It is just a lie. Yet governments around the world are repeating this lie. We talked about this at length last week, about the propaganda. Keep repeating the lie, repeating, 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 and they'll believe it. Governments around the world are repeating this lie, indicating that we are witnessing not just convergent opportunism, but a conspiracy. Meanwhile, media outlets and big tech platforms are committed to the same propaganda and the censorship of the truth. Pharmaceutical companies have already begun to develop unneeded top up booster vaccines for the variants. The companies are planning to manufacture billions with a B of vials, in addition to the current experimental COVID-19 vaccine campaign. Regulatory agencies like the U.S. Food and Drug Administration and the European Medicines Agency have announced that since these top up vaccines will be so similar to the prior injections which were approved for emergency use authorization. Drunk, drunk. (laughs) let me just slow down. Drug, not drunk. (laughs) Drug companies will not be required to perform any clinical safety studies. Are we surprised? Come on, it gets worse. Thus, this virtually means that design and implementation of repeated and coerced mRNA vaccines go from the computer screen of a pharmaceutical company into the arms of hundreds of millions of people injecting some superfluous genetic sequence for which there is absolutely no need or justification. Why are they doing this? Since no benign reason is apparent, the use of vaccine passports along with a banking reset could issue in a totalitarianism unlike the world has ever seen recalling the evil of stalin mao and hitler mass depopulation remains a logical outcome dr yaden stated quote i think the end game is going to be Everyone receives a vaccine. Everyone on the planet is going to find themselves persuaded, cajoled, not quite mandated, hemmed in to take a job. When they do that, every single individual on the planet will have a name or unique digital ID and a health status flag which will be vaccinated or not. And whoever possesses that sort of single database, operable centrally, applicable everywhere to control, to provide, as it were, a privilege, You can either cross this particular threshold or conduct this particular transaction or not, depending on what the controllers of that one human population database decide. Does this seem far fetched to you? I hope not. And I think that's what this is all about. Because once you 've got that, we become playthings, and the world can be as the controllers of that database want it, for example, you might find that after a banking reset that you can only spend through using an app that actually feeds off this database, your ID, your name and your health status flag. And yes, certainly crossing an international border is the most obvious use for these vaccine passports, as they're called. But I've heard talk of them already that they could be necessary for you, listen, to get into public spaces, enclosed public spaces. I expect that if they wanted to, you would not be able to leave your house in the future without the appropriate privilege on your app. The eugenicists have got hold of the levers of power. And this is a really artful way of getting you to line up and receive some unspecified thing that will damage you. I have no idea what it will actually be, but it won't be a vaccine because you don't need one. And it won't kill you on the end of the needle because you would spot that. It could be something that will produce normal pathology. It will be at various times between vaccination and the event. It will be plausibly deniable because there will be something else going on in the world at that time in the context of which your demise or that of your children will look normal. That's what I would do if I wanted to get rid of 90 to 95% of the world's population. And I think that's what they're doing. Dr. Yaden concluded, quote, I have latest taken to signing off with, may God save us. Because I think we need God now more than at any time since World War II. As many of you know, I've been sounding this alarm for the better part of a year about how that they have planned, created, COVID-19 for this so-called vaccine, not the other way around. They've always had it. They just needed something in order to administer it. I want to refer you, and again, we have the links to these. We did an update back on January 10th titled Decision Time. This was actually censored on and removed by YouTube within 72 hours. Also, Decision time two, we go into great detail about this so-called vaccine, answering many of the questions from a biblical perspective. Suffice it to say, and just bear with me, and I've been saying this since March of 2020, this is how it ends. and we are at the end. And that's the bad news. Okay? All right, let's close in prayer and we'll. No. The badder the bad news is, the gooder the good news will be. This is pretty bad, isn't it? Right? Well, here's the good news. Everything is going perfectly according to God's prophetic plan. Never, ever imagine that God doesn't hear, see, and know everything that's happening. He knows the end from the beginning. And never think for one second, that He doesn't care about us as His people. If you don't mind me saying it this way, our Heavenly Father is tracking everything and everyone. How about that? (laughs) I like that. Yes, praise the Lord, right? When I was uh, preparing my notes, I, I I started typing, and it's like the Lord just—I've got a tracking system too. Oh, that's right, you do. <laughs> Way more better. Because it, we talked about this on Thursday night. I it, Isaiah 13. <laughs> it's like, Lord, <laughs> do you see what they're doing? Come on. I'm all knowing, I'm all seeing. I know the end from the beginning. In fact, I even told you that they would be doing this. Why why are you even asking me that question? Lord, are you going to let them get away with it? Again, why do you ask me that question? I already told you how it ends for them. It's not pretty. Yeah, but Lord, Lord, how long? Oh. Just wait, you'll see. That's what a parent says to their child when they're young. (laughs) And it's true. Just wait, you'll see. God rules over all and overrules all. Praise the Lord. He's going to have the final word. I can't wait. they will settle this. They'll never get away with this. The evil that is perpetrated on mankind, it's unspeakable evil. But God takes note of it. God sees everything. He knows everything and He has everything under His control. Now, I realize that this may help settle some, but there are many who are faced with great uncertainty and many unanswered questions about what the future holds. Questions like, what do I do about my career, my business, my job, presupposing I still have one? or I'm getting my college degree. I'm getting married. I'm starting a family. <laughs> so, if the rapture is going to happen as soon as it looks like it's going to happen, then what's the point of continuing on? Well, please know that I don't have all the answers. I never want to come off as one who fancies myself as having all the answers. But what I do have is what you too have. And that is the Spirit of God and the Word of God to navigate through these horrendous, perilous times, particularly in the Gospels, where Jesus teaches many parables about entrusting stewards with talents and commanding them to occupy until He returns. I was thinking this last week, back to 2015, and how we would have never purchased this property or built this church if we thought it would be pointless. And now? Here we are, well nigh six years later. God knew. God knew. But if we would have not done what God called us to do and step out in faith and do, He would have found somebody else who would be willing to do it, to whom much has been entrusted, much is required. I see the Lord as searching to and fro throughout the earth. And He's doing a search and He's looking for servants, faithful servants, whose hearts are fully devoted to Him. And when He finds one, we're actually going to be talking a little bit about this in Titus second service. But when he finds one, (laughs) just stand back and behold the salvation of the Lord. The truth of the matter is, we cannot even begin to imagine the ways God may use what we do here, both pre and post rapture. What do you mean? Think this through with me. What we do here on earth is what God has uniquely gifted us to do and it will absolutely have relevance for and extend into eternity. Do you know that? Oh, come on, Pastor, easy for you to say you're in the ministry, full-time ministry. I don't like that word. There's no such thing as part-time, full-time, lifetime. Yeah, but you're the pastor, of course. Well, that's too bad, because it's actually a lie from the father of lies, that what you do doesn't count or matter for eternity. God has uniquely positioned you where He has you. And here's the thing, by the way, and I want you to think about this, God can actually use someone like you more than He can use someone like me, because He has you in a place that I cannot reach. I mean, just by virtue of the conversation that I might have with somebody, as soon as they learn that I'm a pastor, that's it. Changes the whole complexion of the conversation. Oh, most holy reverend Farag. (laughs) Don't ever call me that, by the way. I think you know that. This wall goes up. Oh, you're the clergy. I'm just the laity. Really? No, God has called you, uniquely gifted you, and He has you exactly where He has you. And yeah, but pastor, with all due respect, all I do is this day in, day out, go to work, go home, go to bed, get up, go to work, go home, go to bed, get up. Oh, interesting. Did you know that what you do now, you'll be doing for all eternity? What? Well, time doesn't permit, but let me just give you one verse of Scripture, that God's callings and giftings are without repentance. And besides, what do you think you're going to be doing? And oh, by the way, work was blessed before sin entered the world, and it was cursed what are you saying, pastor? We're going to be working in heaven? Yeah, not at all like it is now. (laughs) It's cursed now, but we're going to be working with the gifting and the talents that God gave us for all eternity. Pastor, I'm just a student. I haven't even got my degree yet. Cool. God's gifted you for that. And by the way, that gifting, that calling, that talent that you have, you have all eternity to use it. That's how God has gifted you. Well, here's even more good news. There's still time here on earth to get more people to heaven. (laughs) And there's still time here on earth to lay up treasures in heaven. Because here's what comes packaged with what I just said what we do down here for this short, I mean, inconsequential amount of time we call, or James calls the vapor that is our lives. Whatever that number of years is, in comparison to eternity, what we do down here will determine our eternity. Think about that. Let that sink in. I think if people really grasped that one truth in God's Word, it would change everything. It would change their lives. They would never look back because I've only got a little bit of time before eternity. And what I'm doing now with what little time I have left is going to determine eternity. Don't get me wrong, nobody in eternity is going to go, oh, look at his mansion. I just have an outhouse over here. It's not going to be like that. Nobody in heaven is going to say, man, I got the short end of that stick. No, listen, we're just going to be for the first whatever trillion years. I like that. We'll just use trillion. (laughs) Just be, I mean, just in awe, just worshiping Him. There's no time in eternity. We're outside of time. We're in eternity. But we have now this time to determine our eternity. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 19, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. You know what Jesus is saying here? He's saying, seize every opportunity while you have time here on earth and use it to lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, because it's going to matter for all eternity. So again, this last week, I just in my time with the Lord was sort of inquiring of the Lord concerning how long we have. And he directed my heart to the Apostle Peter's second epistle, chapter 3, verses 8 and 9, which speaks to the paramount importance of patience with and for people coming to salvation while we still have time. You know, I got saved in 1982. I am so glad Jesus did not rapture His church out in 1981. I'll let let you have a little moment with that one. (laughs) Think about that. Verse 8, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness, instead He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The Apostle Paul, in writing his second letter to the Thessalonians, explains how that the restrainer will hold back evil until such a time as that day comes. Because again, God is not willing or wanting that any should perish, but that people will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So the restrainer is restraining, holding back. Chapter two, verse seven, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Why do I point these passages out? Because the common denominator is that we still have time to lay up treasures in heaven and bring people to heaven before the restrainer is taken out of the way. And oh, by the way, when the restrainer is taken out of the way, so are we you can have it now. You can have this world. Ah, spoiler alert, you're only going to get it for seven years, and it's not going to be a picnic, (laughs) especially the last three and a half. But God, God, is that bad? That's bad. I'm sorry. See those, they're they're out of the way. We can do what we want now. You know, that's the new age teaching, right? We're the problem. We're in the way. Okay, cool. We want to get out of your way, as bad as you want us out of your way. And we will be. just going to have to wait. (laughs) There's another important question I think I'd be grossly remiss if I didn't address. And it has to do with loved ones and the so-called vaccine. Specifically, will I ever be able to travel to see them? Or will they ever be able to travel to see me? Of course, that presupposes they're going to want to see you, because after all, you haven't been vaccinated. I'm sorry. So the question is, what if someone we love very much has already been vaccinated? (laughs) What happens then? Are they doomed? No. I know this might seem like an oversimplification, but if they're a born again Christian, they cannot be unborn again by the way, that goes both ways. Once you've been vaccinated, you cannot be unvaccinated. But if you're born again, you cannot be unborn again. And here's why. The litmus test of heaven has nothing to do with what we do or don't do. Rather, it's all about what Jesus already did listen, I know this is terrifying even to the solid Christian. However, the Scriptures are replete with promises from the Savior Himself that He will give us peace in this world until He takes us out of this world. John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, tribulation, trials. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Revelation 3 verse 10, John is told to write to the church in Philadelphia, and he says to them, because you have kept my command to persevere, I will also keep you from the hour of trial which shall come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. For those who are battle weary and don't know how much longer you can hold on, I have really good news for you. God will see you through whatever it is that you're going through, no matter how difficult it is, He will get you through it right up until the time that He raptures us out of here. I'm not just as a pastor, which is my privilege to be from behind this pulpit, as is my privilege to do, saying this. I testify to this. Put me on the witness stand. I will testify under oath. So help me God. This is true. God will see you through. Yeah, but pastor, there's no way, no way. (laughs) The way, the truth, and the life, the Lord is going to see you through, no matter what it is that you're going through, no matter how bad it is that you're going through. I know it's bad. I've tasted from that cup. I know what it's like to not even be able to even, it's only groaning and it's almost silent. You're in the fetal position. You can't even pray. You can't even cry. It's an inward groaning in your soul. And you're convinced, this is it. I ain't going to make it. And then the Lord meets you there. And he does that which only he can and always does. Because he loves you. He loves you. Will you just. (laughs) Boy, the enemy doesn't want us to hear this, does he? Give me just a a few more minutes, if you don't mind. I want to share with you from the Word of God, the truth. And I want to start in Romans 8, an amazing chapter, one of my favorite chapters in all of God's Word. Verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Not even on the same planet, if I can say it like that, to be compared. Yeah, but this is really hard. Not not even a, it's inconsequential in comparison to eternity and the glory that awaits. Romans 8 beginning in verse 31. Now this is really important, especially for anyone who is here today or watching online, and the enemy has succeeded in large measure to get you to doubt God's love for you. The whole chapter of Romans 8, you need to spend some time in that chapter. But listen to this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Give me just a moment on this. You know what he, it, it, it's almost, well, it's certainly rhetorical, but it's, it's kind of laughable in its absurdity. You know what Paul's saying here by the Holy Spirit? And Let me see if I got this straight. God loves you so much that He was unwilling to spare His only begotten Son. He willingly gave you His Son to die for you. He did that for you. Is there anything He won't do for you? He has so much invested in you. What? Oh, Jesus came, died. You're saved. Okay, I did my part. Buck up, buttercup. <laughs> I hate that one too, by the way. <laughs> You're on your own, kid. No. <laughs> I gave you my son. I was willing to do that. Does it even stand a reason? that there's, because I'm unwilling to withhold my son, that there's anything that I would withhold from you. Listen, if you need it, you got it. Notice I didn't say if you want it, you got it. Oh, I do this all the time. I try to change the the tags on my prayer request. You know, desire, let's put that over here on, let's put it on the need prayer. No, if you need it, and it's God's will, and it's good, you got it. Why would He withhold it? He wouldn't withhold His Son from you. Still in Romans 8, beginning in verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. We're not just conquerors. We're more than conquerors. Through Him who loved us, and then Paul, by the Spirit, writes, verse thirty-eight: For I am convinced, the jury's no longer out; the verdict is in, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, nor depopulation—oh, sorry, that's not in the—that's not in the original. It's, it's in the J.D.V neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That should settle it, shouldn't it? Hebrews 13 verses 5 and 6. Let your conduct be without covetousness be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Hebrews four sixteen. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We have unfettered access to the throne of grace to ask anything, anytime, because of Jesus. Second Timothy 1, 7, a verse familiar to most, if not all. But I want to draw your attention to something here. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, a disciplined mind. We discipline our children. We need to discipline our mind. No, that's not okay. I'm not going to let that in. I have to discipline my mind. That's what that means. Matthew 10 verse 28, last night I, the Lord's been reminding me of this particular verse and Jesus says, do not be afraid in fear of those who kill the body. Because that's what they're doing. <laughs> but don't be afraid, because they cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid, very afraid <laughs> of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. That's the fear of the Lord. I do not fear what man can do unto me. I fear the Lord. First Peter five, seven. For those that are prone to anxiety, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. John I only have twenty-three more. No, I only got a couple more. John fourteen, eighteen. By the way, these are promises from the Word of God, and God has given us His Word, and He can't go back on His Word. He's given us His Word. Jesus said, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. And John 14 verses 1 through 3, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in Me. In My Father's house, are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to Myself that where I am, there you may be also. Do you hear that? Whenever I Go for a walk with my daughter, and we take our dog for a walk. We go to Flags, Kailua Beach. Have you noticed how many mansions they're building on the beach? So there's this one in particular one. I've been kind of watching it. Okay, I have to confess, I've been coveting it. I mean, wow, this is beautiful. I mean, the guest house, and I guess the guest guest house, and then the servants' quarters, and then the main mansion, and then the beach. And then I'm like, wow, this is nice. And the Lord's like, really? You, you're kidding me, right? <laughs> oh, this I The mansion I'm preparing for you in heaven is going to make this look like. I'm I need to be careful because I want to say it. "toilet," which I just said. <laughs> it's going to look like an outhouse, if that. On a good day, in comparison, I be, is it almost done? Yes. Ooh, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, you'll see. Just wait. You'll see. Well, that's good news. You better believe it's good news. And it's the gospel, which means good news. What's the gospel? Jesus came, He was crucified, He was buried, and He rose again on the third day. And don't stop there. He's coming back again one day to take us to that place that He prepared for us, where we will consummate and celebrate our wedding to the Lamb as his bride. That's good news. It's good news. Again, the badder the bad news is, the gooder the good news will be. Lord, <laughs> good thing that you're coming to take us out of here, because we've sort of overstayed our welcome in this world, not our home. It's getting really bad. I know. I mean, it's almost done. You're, you're coming, right? Oh yeah. Sooner than you can possibly even begin to imagine. That's the good news. That's the gospel of salvation found in the person of Jesus Christ. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. For the last couple, three years now we've been sharing the ABC's of salvation. as just a childlike explanation of salvation. The A is for admit or acknowledge you're a sinner, that you need the Savior. <laughs> See, if you're not a sinner, you're, I know this is a crass way to say, it, you're not in the market for a Savior. I don't need a Savior because I'm not a sinner. But when you're a sinner, oh, you need a Savior. I need to be saved out of this world. Romans 3.10 says there is no one righteous, not even one. Romans 3.23 tells us why. It's because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You want to talk about bad news and good news, the bad news first. That's Romans 6.23. There's merit to The bad news first, because the badder the bad news is, the gooder the good news will be. What's the badder bad news? Oh, the wages of sin is death. That's the bad news. The good news, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's the A. Here's the B. The B is for believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, you will be saved. And then the C lastly is for call upon the name of the Lord. Or as Romans 10, 9 and 10 also says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and Believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. You will be saved. And here's why. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And lastly, Romans ten thirteen, it says, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's pretty simple, isn't it? For me, that was some 33 years ago. Actually, maybe, no, it was more than that, 38 years ago. Yeah, you know it's a long time when you forget how long it was. And I had to have it simple. Just call upon Him, believing in your heart, confessing with your mouth, acknowledging your sin. And I was saved and I never looked back. If you're watching online and that's why you're watching online, by the way. That's why you're still watching online. Today is the day of your salvation. Do not put off the most important decision of your life for eternal life. May I last, I haven't said one last thing, right? So this is the last thing. I want to share with you a testimony from an online member who writes, We wanted to share this with you so that you might share it with your listeners to encourage them, but would like to remain anonymous so only God gets the glory in this. We have been witnessing in our community by putting food and salvation tracks in the blessing boxes in our community where people can go to get food free and anonymously. We heard about people doing ABC billboards on your Prophecy Update sermons and have been wanting to put up a billboard in our town and we found one available right above the liquor store. (laughs) I love it when God does that. Our billboard colors blend with the colors of the liquor stores. Smart. And it's signed. So we are hoping that people will see the billboard first when they're looking for the liquor store sign because ours is bigger. (laughs) This road is the major road through town for people traveling from city to city because we are in the center of Texas. And our billboard is near the major grocery store, gas station, and lots of shops and restaurants. Everyone going through town passes by this billboard this leads to my next story. We have been praying for ideas to witness further, and the Lord is dropping ideas in our laps left and right. He has a way of doing that. Tonight we received one of those random spam texts that's sent out to 20 people. Our initial reaction was annoyance, and we were ashamed to admit that we were going to respond in an annoying manner as we get so many of these, but we hesitated as we felt as though someone grabbed us and said, pause. Our thoughts turned to thinking that this is probably just someone struggling, trying to make money by sending some link to several people, or maybe it is something bad. But we can use what was meant for bad and let God make it into something good. We had a picture of the finalized billboard artwork. So we texted that person and each person they sent their text to a picture of our billboard with a message about how time is short and asking them to join us in God's lifeboat. Also how it is better to choose God and eternal life than go through the next seven years. We told them the book of Revelation in the Bible describes these last seven years. We then told them that God will accept them no matter who they are or what they've done. Very important, by the way. One of the people actually responded with, thank you, and God bless you, and your family, signed stranger. We then texted the same message to the original sender and also said, thank you for texting us because you gave us the opportunity to use the phone numbers in your text to witness to others for our Lord Jesus Christ. And they responded, you're welcome, (laughs) and included a smiley face. We hope we reach someone, especially if they were having troubles. But one funny thing is that we haven't received any more of these kinds of texts. We are praying they see your website at the bottom of the billboard artwork, and they look at your website to get their mind off their problems and on God and learn the truth about what is really going on in the world. But most of all, we pray they get saved your brother and sister in Christ in Texas. Ah, praise the Lord. Yes, praise the Lord. Why don't you stand? We'll have the worship team come up. Oh man. Thank you for your patience. Don't look at your watches yet. (laughs) I know that these updates have been kind of going longer and longer. Not kind of, they are. If you only knew how much I leave out, I mean, if I if I didn't, we'd be here well till the rapture, actually, which is fine. <laughs> but let's pray, if you would, please join with me. Father in heaven, thank you so much. Thank you for Bible prophecy and thank you for your Word. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path, that lights the way, that navigates the way for us. Lord, we readily admit that we desperately desperately need the Holy Spirit to guide us, to say to us, this is the way walk ye in it. This is good between me and the Holy Spirit. Because absent the discernment of the Holy Spirit, we're going to fall prey to the deception that is getting more and more evil seemingly with each passing day. So Lord, thank You. Thank You for the Holy Spirit. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your promises. Thank You that You'll never leave us or forsake us. And thank You for the Gospel. (laughs) Thank You for the good news. In Jesus' name, Amen.